All right. Welcome back to the Hex Drinkers podcast. It's episode 13, which may be lucky or unlucky. Uh, we might we might decide in just a few minutes, but I'm Julian, and I'm joined by Eric. Konbawa. Oak. Yo. And Chev. Hey. Every fucking time with the hey, Chev. You little... <laughs> Give me a little bit more. Give me a little bit more. I'm, I'm nope. ed- I can I'm editing the podcast and I can barely hear. I'm like, did Chev respond? Like, do I have to put in a stupid? Sound I'm not the one or... who had a weird Zelda effect cover up there. Hello. That's because that Eric was like wasn't recording decibels. during that, so I was like, I gotta make stuff up. But anyway, we are a longtime playgroup during the multiverse in the hopes of leveling up both our game and yours. And without further ado, we're gonna get into it because heavy is the head and heavy is the hammer. Because boys, we got the mother of all ban and restricted announcements just yesterday. There's a lot to be said in terms of what happened and also a lot to be said about bans in general. So let's just get into it. I'm going to I think I'm just going to read straight from the uh, the mouth of our benevolent overlords, Wizards of the Coast and tell you what's happening in each format. And we're just going to have a little conversation about it. So first up. Historic. Uh, No bans in standard this time, which is might even be another topic that we breach. But uh, historic. Omnath. Omnath. Um, ass. Omnath Locus of Creation is banned from Suspended. It was already uh, it was already in timeout, and now it's just gone all the way. And then uh, Uro Titan of Nature's Wrath, banned. From what I heard, that is entirely necessary. Yeah, I mean, from what I know about Historic, it's kind of just like Standard Plus. So it seems like, you know, the cards that dominate Standard dominate in Historic for the most part, besides like Muxus and a few of the includes from Jumpstart. So, like, I, I would understand a lot of her, the cards being banned in Standard also being banned in Historic. It seems like uh, Standard is sort of like a staging area for bans in Historic, based on what we've, se- we've seen so far, and I think that's probably a good model to follow. And this seems like a logical progression. There's not a big enough difference in pool, I think, between Historic and Standard right now for there to be like, oh, you know, this is taken out of Standard because it's too gross, uh, but it can probably survive in, you know... Or be taken care of in historic efficiently, or at least for these like top tier level threats. Right. Yeah, like you guys said. Um, I mean, I know that I'm the one that really only, only the really one who plays historic. Um, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty much just standard ghosts of standard pass plus a little bit more things like you know thought season stuff. Uh, Omnath already did its damage um i don't know why it wasn't just straight banned i i still don't fully understand the suspended thing but that's a conversation for another day um but i'm glad that that's that card's gone you know it can it can stay in in modern and such and do its fun things there but i I don't want it in uh any format on arena same thing with uro it is far overstated it's welcome and i will be saying that consistently throughout this list but um saltai was basically the best deck in historic or one of the two top decks and uh Earl was a big part of that so I'm I'm happy that that's gone because that that deck was probably the reason that I didn't play historic getting thought seized into Uro is just really the worst yeah I was gonna ask how uh Julian's foray into historic was after we saw your your uh, like you know starry-eyed venturing into a new format and we haven't really heard any updates since do you think something like this will shake it up enough for you to return so I haven't played I have I have been playing Historic. I haven't played since Kaldheim came out, so I don't know what's up with the updates since that. But from mm-hmm. what I've been keeping up with, it's still the it's the same decks basically. They've just slot, maybe slotted in a new card here or there. 
Oro being gone means that Saltai is going to be not nearly as good. It'll still probably be tier two, but I think now the thing is, I don't know if aggro decks are going to be too good because even though Uro was a pain, it helped to invalidate aggro decks and goblins has been, and I think will continue to be a big threat. So, I mean, I don't know, maybe Muxus gets banned like in the next like two months or something. Other than that, the only other big deck is uh, Jun Sacrifice um, or mm. versions of Rakdos Sacrifice. I don't think those are too good, but I think those are going to be the, the main decks to beat now that Sultai is at least getting significantly hit. So we'll see. I'll probably check it out. We'll see if I stay around. I, I think a staple of a healthy format is having a couple like good aggro decks in it just to keep decks honest, you know, like prevent decks from dirtling. Um, I guess I don't know necessarily how that plays into what you just mentioned, but... Nah, he's uh, right. He's know, right. I, I think having a little, little more aggro is always, you know, never a bad thing. I, I 100% agree. Breaking news, the mono-red player thinks aggro should be uh, a staple. Yeah, hey, I just format. gave you a good reason. Yeah, you're 100% right. The thing <laughs> is, um, Goblins is technically an aggro deck, but it's also kind of like a combo deck where it's just like... How quickly can we get Muxus out there? And then Muxus is like another one of those spin to win. It's like either you hit, you know, a Cranko, two Lords, and a Haste Enabler, and you just win, or you hit like three lands and, you know, a two mana one one and Skirt Prospector. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> any, anyway, all right. Next format, Pioneer, which uh, none of us have ever played. I don't think have we? It's mostly a paper format. Yeah. Yeah, it's big on MTGO, or or it exists on MTGO. I'm not sure it's big. I don't know if big is the right word from what I've heard. (laughs) I don't know if big's the right word to describe anything about MTGO. Other than big Uh, bad. uh, Bigger than standard. Big pain. Big big, big bad. Big big bugs, I guess. Um, Big file size. Yeah, there was a a collective uh, shrug in the chat with Pioneer, but I've always been interested in Pioneer. I Hopefully, it either comes to Arena, or we can play it in paper. Uh, once again, fingers crossed, obviously, sometime soon. So, Balustrade Spy is banned. Teferi Time Raveler is banned. Undercity Informer is banned. Uro Titan of Nature's Wrath is banned. And Wilderness Reclamation is banned. Do you, any of you even know what Balustrade Spy or Undercity Informer are? <laughs> yes, I could shed some light on this. Um, so I don't know the exact Please. deck, but I'm almost certain... These two cards were from a deck called One Land Spy, if you've ever heard of that. Um, it has gotten a lot better since the release of the um, modal dual face uh, lands. Essentially, like, if you see... Imagine a deck running only one actual land card, and then playing an Undercity Informer and activating its ability, and, you know, going through, like, three crippling chills, getting some... Um, it's it's just dredge at that point. You know what I mean. What's um, what's its ability? Could you could you uh, oh, remind us? Yes. So under City Informers, three mana, two and a black. Its uh, activated ability is one generic sacrifice a creature. Target player reveals for cards from the top of his or her library, and then he or she re- until he or she reveals a land card, then puts those cards into his or her graveyard. So you essentially mill half your deck in on turn. Oh. Okay. Um, and yes, this is not uh, a great thing <laughs> because, you know, cards like Crippling, Crippling Chill, Narc Amoeba. Yeah, um, it was essentially like turn four, 
you probably win the game. Uh, which is too slow for other formats, especially formats with more interaction and cheaper counterspells than Pioneer. But seems like for Pioneer, it was just a little bit too much. Uh, so I can understand this uh, this ban. Hmm. Partially. Yeah, Balustrade Spy does the same thing, except it costs a bit more and it just ETBs. It's yeah. um, I think I think in Pioneer they've officially graduated to Oops all spells now that they have those. Um, you know, MDFCs. So if you're just playing all those, you can, um, for people who are playing Legacy or Eric for CDH, it's like a Hermit Druid type of deal. You know what I mean? As far as I understand, this is not a dominant deck, though it was reaching, what, maybe almost 10% of the meta, which is a pretty significant chunk. Those just aren't fun kind of decks to have around. So I don't think anyone is upset that this is, uh, this is gone. You know what I mean? Save save that for for formats with force will and stuff where you can deal with that. Sort it of also stuff. you know what I mean. Based on what it sounds like, it could very much be like a coin flip. You go to activate your big bad thing. You play your balustrade spy or you you sack your uh, uh, undercity informer, and then oops, your your next card was the land. You get nothing. <laughs> your deck doesn't work. You idiot. Or yeah. you know it's five from the bottom you get everything it's a complete blowout and that that's not really healthy in and of itself a really nice thing about this band list uh this band announcement i think that we'll see is that a lot of these are just quality of life bands mm -hmm. you know kind of like when they banned like cart clan ironworks and you know divining top out of modern they were just like these are just miserable to play against no one likes this you know what i mean stuff like that so there's there's a lot of that um, the other bands, though, Uro, Teferi, Wilderness Reclamation. I mean, I think we're seeing uh, sort of a pattern here. These are all cards that uh, <laughs> did their thing in Standard and got banned, <laughs> and did their thing in Historic, got banned. And uh, it turns out that Pioneer is no different. You know, a clean slice off the top, um, as they've done to uh, a few formats in the fast, where they're like, we're just going to hit something from all the best decks so that everything's kind of on a, an even playing field again. I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah. Do we want to proceed to modern? I have heard from my friend who plays modern about these bands and his thoughts, so I actually have secondhand opinions on this. Oh, that's great. Well, modern. First two bands are lands. Field of the Dead, banned. Mystic Sanctuary, <laughs> banned. Boom. Get them out. Uh, next, Simeon Spirit Guide, banned. Tybalt's Trickery, banned. Uro. That's the third time. Banned. It's gone. <laughs> Lads, how do we feel? Uh, it's probably the third oh. time Uro has deserved it. Well, more than the third time because he's been banned out of other formats, but the third time in this ban list yeah. he's deserved it. Uh, yeah, 100%. Um, I have some thoughts on a couple of these cards I'd like to share. Oh, yeah, go off. Go off. Um, all right, so Uro, I think it's obvious. Too good. Uh, Field of the Dead, you know. Kind of just an annoying card to play against, I think, personally. Um, I don't actually know if the decks were, like, really that great or oppressive, but um, I'm not complaining here. Uh, these next three. Uh, first of all, I'll start with Mystic Sanctuary. So, where I've seen this card played most is in really heavy control decks that can do, like, a Mystic Sanctuary lock with Cryptic Command. Personally, glad to see it gone. <laughs> next, Tabalt's Trickery. Glad to see it gone, and I'll explain why. Because I think this is a very cool, unique card, obviously. Unique effect. I really 
um, have grown to love this card. But I am glad to see it go, because realistically this card was never going to be used as a counterspell in Modern. Probably won't be used as a counterspell in just about any format, except for EDH. Um, it was designed pretty well, and they I think they did a good job of making it so that it was very hard to abuse, but there was a way found to abuse it where you can pretty much get, like, the decks that played this uh, combo, I don't know exactly how it goes, but it went something like turn one, do something, turn two, Tybalt's Trickery, something, and then get, like, an Omniscience onto the battlefield. So, I'm glad to see it gone for that, and I'm not worried about the fact that, like, oh no, like, we won't be able to use this cool counterspell in Modern, because, like, no one was going to do it anyways, save for EDH. And last, Simeon Spirit Guide. I'm a little sad about this one, because I know it was played mostly in uh, the Mono Red... I guess Scred Red is, like, the best way to call it, or... You call it Scred Red if you like it, and if you don't like it, you call it Mono Red Prison. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> decks that play like uh, they try to get out like an early Blood Moon or Chandra uh, or like in Staring Bridge Magus of the Moon etc and Simeon Spirit Guide helps a lot with that um, the fact that you can just exile it sort of willy nilly and get that one extra mana whatever you want um, I think it's fair though because this is definitely the best of the cards that can do that the other ones being like Pyretic and Desperate Ritual getting rid of Simeon Spirit Guide was ultimately probably the right choice those are my thoughts. Sorry for uh, talking for five minutes straight. You're all good. <laughs> I'd love to hear someone else's. Um, I've heard similar things. Um, Field of the Dead specifically was an amulet titan, was my understanding, where they were like, hey, I'm just going to go ahead and make about 20 land drops this turn. Don't don't you even worry about it. Just... Uh, and essentially like lands that are busted like Field of the Dead or in in some cases Mystic Sanctuary can can get pretty oppressive so I think both of those make sense. I heard similar things that the Simeon Guide uh Simeon Spirit Guide ban was probably necessary but also a little sad. Trickery I I would honestly not be surprised if Standard sees the same treatment in a in a little while. I don't think the Tibble Trickery deck in Standard's as good, but I think it can still get pretty pretty nasty. I mean, from a from like a quality of fun standpoint, it is pretty awful to go up against one of those in standard, um, especially when it works. Like I I just jumped back into standard with call time. First game I played, turn uh, one or two was a Tormod script counter it, Ugin, and I was like, hmm, well, mm. there goes that game. Yeah. And so it's just like. It's very, it's very much like exactly like we talked about um, bringing life back to these formats and kind of cutting off the top. And I don't think anyone would be sad yeah. to see that go. Even if like it gets blown out half the time, if it ends up with like a forty-five percent win rate, I think it still might earn the ban hammer just for anti-fun. And then Uro, yeah, there's nothing else to say. Just Uro, just Uro things. Yeah, I mean. I think the thread here is if a card is basically just an auto-include, like Uro, it just went in basically every deck that wasn't a combo deck. And then same thing with Field of the Dead. Like, if you were playing any sort of mid-range or even control deck, you know, there's no loss for you to just put a field in your deck, field in, uh, field of the Dead in your deck, and then it just it just wins games. Same thing with Mystic Sanctuary, um, which is even more disgusting because you can fetch it in these other formats. And like Oak was saying that, you know, if people were playing hard control decks, that's that. Uh, so it's either just these cards that are super free to put in your deck um, or that are just 
these cards that were never going to be used for good. Like it's in, you know when we saw Tybalt's Trick, we were like, oh, this is this is an interesting card. They're doing cool things with the design space, but no one ever thought they were like, oh, this is just a good, honest counter spell for a color that doesn't have a way to you know remove things from the stack. We all were like, okay, so what can we you know how can we bust this? And so so was everyone else. And turns out they busted it. So um, the other thing I do want to talk about with Tybalt's Trickery though. Um, because I think part of it getting banned was to do with this other part of the uh, announcement, which was a rules change. In specifically modern, there is a cascade deck that has been becoming quite good uh, that involves cascading into Valky, uh, God of Lies, slash Tybalt, Co Cosmic Imposter. So the way it works is you cast a cascade spell, notably a three-mana one. I think there's three different uh, three-mana ones that you can get. And then you cascade through and you hit Valky, which is a two-mana creature. But the way the rules worked was once you hit this card and it says you can cast this for uh, you know without paying its mana cost, and the way that MDFCs work, you basically get to cast whatever side. This was a very consistent, very powerful deck. Wizards decided to remedy this by essentially changing the way that cascade works in the rules so that when you... It works the same where you cast a spell, you go until you hit a spell that has a lower CMC, but then also the spell, or you hit a card that has a lower CMC, but then the spell that you actually hit cast has to have a lower CMC as well. So you can cascade and hit Valky, but you can't hit Tibble anymore. And I believe I called it when we were doing our uh, call time show that they were going to have to make this change, so I, I want to put a little scoreboard up there for me. But... um. <laughs> I think this is just more intuitive. It gets a broken deck out of the format, and I think uh, why Tybalt's Trickery was taken out was part of, you know, if you ban the other more consistent way to get Valky in, well, why why wouldn't you ban quote unquote basically the same the same sort of thing with Tybalt's Trickery? Yeah, I mean it, it it makes sense. Like we saw this with the the split cards at one point where they decided that the split card CMC was like both halves combined. Yeah. Um, so you couldn't do shenanigans with that. And then I think I think the big change here was like having to check mana cost twice with Cascade, which I guess maybe they were like wanting to keep it simple for all the edge cases and not have to do that. But it's very clear they did. Um, but you're right. Like the the very it 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 might be it's one of those things that in rules reads out a lot longer than it actually takes as a player. Where like you know okay so I need to check the card the CMC. If it's lower, I can cast it, but wait, the spell also has to be lower. But, you know, if you cascade a Bloodbraid Elf, and then you're like, mm, seven mana seems a little bit much, and then you play the other side. Like, in play, it makes a lot more sense. So, I mean, this is definitely a change I'm glad that we have, and I, I do appreciate putting a curb on those sort of, like, interactions that weren't supposed to work the way that they do. That's modern. Everyone's uh, favorite broken format. But let's let's talk about Legacy. Arkham's Astrolabe, banned. Dreadhorde Arcanist, banned. Oko Thiefa Crowns, banned. Oko, I don't think he needs any introduction. Probably the best Planeswalker ever printed, one of the best cards ever printed. Yeah, he's just too good, he's too free, um, and uh, he's banned alongside Arkham's Astrolabe, which the uh, basically every color mid-range snow deck was a prominent force. It also included Uro, but it basically just played all these really good mid-range threats, Oko, Uro, and then had Arkham's Astrolabe to fix its mana, um, basically get to play whatever it wants while still playing Snowlands, which dodges things like Wasteland, which is a uh, you know an integral part of the Legacy format. So once again, it's just too easy to put these cards in your deck. You know what I mean? I don't play Legacy, but I enjoy watching Legacy, and I think that this is a a big uh, quality up of life. 
Yeah, I gotta agree with you on Oko. I think that one needs no introduction. Actually, same with Arkham's Astrolabe. It seems like it got the same sort of... had the same sort of effect on Legacy that it did on Pauper, where, like, four or five color snow control just became uh, a little bit too oppressive. You could just play all the cards and all the best colors. There's basically no mana restrictions on your deck whatsoever. But this last one, Dreadheart Arcanist, is the one... The band I'm by far the most upset about. Why did they have to put my man, Dreadheart Arcanist, in the pen for crimes committed by Delver of Secrets? <laughs> right? How many cards are going to suffer this fate? <laughs> um, but seriously, like, I I really like Dreadheart Arcanist, and I think it fit in so perfectly in, like, the, the legacy shell of Delver, because, like, just being able to play, like, Alright, Dreadheart, cool, you get back your Serum Visions, you get back your Ponder... Lightning Bolt, just, you know, these awesome, like, one-mana spells, and it's just a deck that's so low to the ground, and I, I really hate to see him go, but you know what? What was the goal of the deck he was banned out of? Sorry, I have no legacy knowledge, essentially. Oh! No, none. Yeah, so this is the, um, our Blue-Red Delver, as it's called, has been a very good deck in legacy for a very long time, because it's essentially like a zoo deck, like, you just play, um... Delver of Secrets, obviously, like, the namesake card, and other cards that just, like, uh, start very small and cost very little and then get bigger. Um, and so it's easy to sort of run people over. I, you could say it's kind of like a tempo deck, um, because, like, once you have a Delver out you, and you flip it into a 3-2 flyer, which it costs one mana, by the way, and the way to flip it is just having an instant or sorcery on top of your library. That seems doable. But once you flip it, you can just, like... Yes, you can just, like... Counterspell, 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 you know, lightning bolt, counterspell, and just, like, hit someone seven times with a Delver if it's over. Um, in Dreadhorde Arcanist, um, if you resolve one of those, you basically get to cast one of your cantrips or, like, a lightning bolt again uh, on every one of your turns. Delver is the ultimate tempo deck, and uh, it's been either the best deck or one of the best decks in Legacy for uh, basically ever. And, uh, Oak, I think you're right. I think Dreadhorde Arcanist... Um, died for the sins of others, but Delver has been such a staple in Legacy that it's they're never going to ban like Ponder, Preordain, or Lightning Bolt. They're not going to ban these other cards, and I guess Dreadhorde Arcanist was just one of the ones that put it, quote unquote, put it over the top. So it's it's too bad, but he's gone. I just want to hit. I just want them to hit him in Historic because God dang, that stupid Rakdos deck in Historic is a pain in my butt. <laughs> makes me sound like i want to join historic tell me more about this rakdos deck chev i would you know honestly if i have someone who i can talk with with about historic i'd love to i'll, I'll hook you up it's very similar to the rakdos deck that you were playing in standard so i'm sure you'd love it and it's a powerful That's fantastic deck. yeah the less wild cards the better i currently have no golds oh all right i will uh, i'll hook you I'll, I'll hook you up brother wait I'm, I'm smelling a Dreadheart arcanist into thought seas or like a village rights is that is that what i'm reading from this Julian. That's exactly <laughs> it. Or uh, or Dreadhorde Arcanist into um, claim fame. Get back your other Dreadhorde Arcanist uh, oh, or your young Pyromancer ooh. or whatever. Yeah, it's. Oh, oh wait, young Pyromancer. We can talk Historic about that Rakdos, another. Here I come. We can Hang talk on, about yeah. that uh, another day. Throwing a young Pyromancer, I might have to play that. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it plays Croxa too, and just all that nasty crap, you know. So, all right, last one, Vintage. We're talking about it. Who, who would have thought? Luris of the Dream Den. He's out of the pen. Bars. He's he's been unbanned. Uh, I think that uh, wizards they're they're feeling themselves. They're like, listen, we changed the companion rule. Maybe Luris he's not so bad, you know. And he was the only card 
banned in vintage uh for a quote-unquote power level reason obviously the other cards banned in vintage are like you know anti-cards and conspiracy cards and stuff like that i think this could be interesting now that you have to pay three mana for him just to bring him into your hand i feel like he's a lot he's a lot more telegraphed he's a lot less uh powerful and he could uh do some interesting things um or even if you choose to play him main deck so i know you guys don't play vintage i mean i don't either but i watch the occasional video (laughs) so i can talk like i know things i mean like having to essentially pay for him twice i feel like just eliminates the possibility you that you would run this card as a companion six mana for a three two even if it's a really good three two is a lot that and he now exists in your hand for some period of time before you play him. I mean, unless you're you're waiting up until six mana. But that was my big thing with companions always was existing outside of the uh, the space that can be interacted with. Yeah, thought seize effects are powerful. Having played Hearthstone for so much of my life, which I have now stopped, I just view my opponent's hand as off limits. I'm like, why would I touch that? Also, I think it helps that I'm a Naya mage, and I'm like, no, no, that's their business. We don't talk about that. We fight it out here on the battlefield. Right. Just smashy, smashy. But, like, you also expect that yours is, like, your business, and then a Demir Mage come through, and I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Let me see your yeah. secrets. <laughs> you must reveal it's them annoying, to me. But it's fine. Um, Listen, I don't, I don't like that. But, yeah, Luris, get him in here. We'll check it out. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, there'll, be a, maybe there'll be a little vintage foray. It's pretty, it's pretty cheap on, uh, on uh, Magic Online. Yeah, and there's a bunch of deck rental programs, too, that seem like they'd be fun to, to try out. I, I actually know someone who used them, and sure. I think he really likes them. So we have received at least one endorsement of deck rentals. All right. Well, if any uh, deck rental companies want to, you know, give us a little sponsorship or a little uh, reduced rate for <laughs> plugging them, that would be A1 in my book. All right. But anyway, so we just talked about all the bands um, in general. I think we agree that they were good all around the board and that the idea of banning these cards that are just – auto includes essentially because you know as primarily focusing on commander um the idea of deck diversity and differentiating our play patterns and just making our games as different as possible in general um is something that we definitely promote and also the idea that just these uh these cards that are not fun to play against or just uh, you know pretty much only used for evil generally they should uh not have they gotta go they should generally not have too much fun in the sun you know what i mean they had their time you guys did your thing, you filthy degenerates. Now, you know, come come back to a real society and, and play with real cards like the rest of us. But um, this kind of got all of us thinking about bannings in general because if you've been a Magic player over the last two years or so, uh, bannings are a thing that went from, and I guess even like maybe even four or five years now, bannings are a thing that didn't really happen to basically commonplace. So I want to know, how do you guys feel about bannings and how are you feeling about this new, uh, this brave new world of bannings, I guess, that we're living in? As someone who has not really been affected by them, I really like this idea. Uh, I think that it is much more interesting to push the design envelope and say, you know, what are some really creative, really, really powerful cards that we can make? And, you know, we get Tybalt's Trickery, and it's a super cool card, and it's really unique, and it's something that I think Wizards never would have printed, like, three or four years ago. But then sometimes you gotta be like, okay, like, Tybalt's Trickery's cool, but it was a mistake in these formats, and, like, maybe some other situations, so we'll pull it out of there, but the card is still out there and exists for people to play. So, you know, 
if you're like us, like six years ago when we started, you can like open a table trick and be like, oh, it's super cool and come up with the idea to counter your own spells and like do all this stuff at like the kitchen table level. Yeah, I mean, taking it in a, a slightly different direction, like I, I too feel like banning is good from the angle of try new things, fail fast, and have to ban them as necessary. But I really think we've seen a change in philosophy as digital magic has grown to the forefront. Like, yes, MTGO has been around forever, but it, it, it ain't the sexiest thing to look at. Um, but with MTGA, and especially like the way that we've seen banning's treated there, where it's like, listen, you know, you have a playset of this card, it's banned, we'll give you four new wild cards, and it doesn't actually matter, uh, especially during the pandemic, where we've all just been digital only for all these formats. Like, it really opens up the ability to mess around where there might have been a more cautious choice when paper magic was the name of the game to be like, okay, are we invalidating someone's whole purchase? And do they need to go out and buy a new deck for a tournament? Or, like, are all these cards going to be worthless now because, like, they can no longer play them? But in this sort of digital economy, there's a lot less skin in the game, uh, so to speak. So I, I really appreciate them trying new things. And especially what we've seen recently with the Omnath ban and the Tipple's Trickery is acting fast when things are bad. Like, we have stuff like Uro that sleeps through the cracks and is around for a little bit too long. But I do really appreciate, like, go out there, fail fast, and, like, let's keep building up where magic can go. Yeah, I, I agree with that, too, especially to the extent, like, Eric was mentioning with cards like Tibalt's Trickery. It's like, alright, this is a cool new effect, and it's like, and it is good for them to, like, fail fast, but I, I really hope it doesn't become a case of, like, you know, the company using flash bands as an excuse to, like, get lazy in their design decisions. Because, like, like if we're being real, it's just like, was Oko and Uro, like, really, like, experimentation, like... How did how did cards like that in three minutes of fairy not get shut down at like the first board meeting where they were revealed? Like, did no one think that these cards were like obviously too strong? Uh, like, I don't understand <laughs> what what's going on there. But th th I feel like that's the only part where it becomes like eye rolling. But other than that, like, yeah, it it is good to like okay, we messed up, just axe it. Like that 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 is the right decision at that point. But it'd be nice yeah. if we could not get to that point in the first place. Right. I mean, I think it does come a come to a, a question of philosophy then. And it's it's kind of a hard question because you're saying, like, how did those not get shut down in the first board meeting? Well, immediately I'm like, well, they're cool and flashy. Yeah. A lot of people forget the cold, hard fact that Wizards is a company and they are owned by Hasbro, which is, you know, even more a company. And uh, they have a bottom line and stakeholders and Euros sell packs, especially to, you know, Timmy's like Eric. So. I do not own an Uro, to clarify. Says, yeah, uh, who just who just bought an Uro? Was it? Uh, who, I'm, I'm like scratching my head here. <laughs> I think it, I think it might have been the. I would never stoop player, so low as to buy a blue card, other than omniscience <laughs> and blue mewing. Wow, I feel so attacked. My generality was these big flashy cards that do a lot of things yeah. and are pushed. Uh, they appeal to the basest lizard brain magic player instinct you know what i mean like you know q to us six years ago and we're like this is a card we can do this what like you would windmill slim that slam that down on the kitchen table and be like suck it like what's up here's my arrow what are you gonna do about it you know what i mean it's it's sure, the same yeah. thing as like when when like we were talking about a few weeks ago like when you just slam down angelic skirmisher or hamlet back goliath and you're just like Ball's in your court, brother. Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> I don't even know that do? we would have understood how good Uro was, like, six years ago. I was thinking about that recently. Like, we were talking about Seed Rhino and, like, how Seed Rhino is, like, you want Seed Rhino to be, like, the perfect, like, 
eight point five mm-hmm. or nine, you know, out of ten in your format, and that's like the perfect format. And then I was just looking at like random Elder Gargaroth, and I was like, this card is just so much better. And Elder Gargaroth is like not even nearly the pu- most push thing that we've seen. You know, like when we did yeah. our M twenty one review, we like looked at it and we were like, yeah, I guess, like you know, but green just, doing green stuff. Yeah, it just no, gets it's bounced by the like- Jumping into that discussion we had previously about like where we've come as a play group and you think, you know, our big issue for a while was removal and especially Derek's point. Yeah, like if we struggled from removal and every deck was running its Uros and its um, Omnaths and it's everything else like our introduction to magic would be incredibly different than where it was. Right. But I, I mean, maybe that's what new players want. Like that's that's the age old yep. question from jaded veterans like ourselves. And I mean, we're super young you compared to, to a lot of people but like you know if you're just getting to magic like maybe this is just super exciting for you but um i guess you know philosophy aside because unfortunately people like us are never going to move the needle in terms of what wizards decides to print especially if uh, profits are involved we agree that the bands in general um have been good and i i didn't weigh in directly but i, I agree that i would rather that i don't want wizards to be safe but I also want them to recognize when there's a mistake and just nip it in the bud, especially since we're, um, you know, all digital. So it's not uh, super affecting wallets, yeah. which we'll talk about later. But um, are, are we fatigued? Can we keep going like this? You know, the fact that we just had a ban, an restricted announcement that banned cards across five different formats and it probably banned like 30 cards, you know what I mean? And that we had another one that was just uh, a few months ago and it's basically been going like that for the past three years. Are when is the breaking point or is there not a breaking point is this are we just numb or used to this i think there's definitely a breaking point um whether or not we've reached it might be another discussion i mean granted i'm i'm not the one who goes after the most broken deck like i see omnath is out there i'm like that just seems like a boring card with kind of a it doesn't require as much to build around it so that doesn't entice me so i'm never really affected by bands except for the format becoming better um i i don't know how it is like you know if you choose to look at those things and are like i'm gonna play this but i i think that you know i'm i'm glad there's been a lot of bands recently and i feel like some of these are long overdue so i don't know if it's so much like we're getting fatigued from them or just like listen you know in my head this should have been done six months ago so i'm just happy it's happened now so going forward julian to your point i don't know you know if if we continue to see things at this level maybe there'll be fatigue um across the board for me right now i i just feel more relief from this ban announcement more than anything else not so much like tiredness i don't know maybe this might come across the wrong way but i think it's nice that wizard seems to finally just be you know owning up to things and taking accountability Mm -hmm. and you know once again it's like i might i might still be mad but i'm not disappointed anymore that sort of thing yeah Mm -hmm. that's a good way to put it yeah, for, from my perspective, I'm, I certainly don't think there's a risk of burnout coming soon. In Standard, which is the, the lowest power format, we saw no bans. And then, sort of moving up from there, we saw a few bans in each format. But it wasn't like they were like, this most recent set brought like 10 absolutely busted cards, so we're going to ban them like the next day that we can. So seeing in historic Omnath and Uro get banned, uh, that's something that people probably knew was coming, but is also... Two cards that people knew were busted and had already been banned out of other formats. I think for fatigue to really set in, at least for me from a banless perspective, it would have to come in the form of, alright, we banned the best deck, uh, what happens next? There's a new best deck that's still just leagues better than the next one 
essentially it would come from just a cascade of broken cards down until the meta was just depowered to be like Kamigawa. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, some people have been calling for that sort of thing. I, I have been a sort of proponent of that where I'm like, if we could just, once again, a whole other can of worms, but if we could just like rotate Eldraine early, just ride out the medium parts of, well, I guess Ikoria and like Theros are going to rotate in the fall. It's like once we're done with mm-hmm. that, like I think after that, like Zendikar, other than Omnath, seems fine-ish. Like Kaldheim seems fine so far. Like if we can just get to that, like that might be a more reasonable place. But then once again, if you're not doing things that outdo those or are flashier than that, are you selling packs? You know, uh, I'd like to kind of finish off our discussion with a, a return to a favorite segment. It's finance with Jeff. <laughs> so, Chev, it's been a long time since we talked finance, but, uh, you know, every time you got bans and, uh, you know, new cards and all this crazy stuff going on, there's always a financial aspect to it. I mean, we sort of talked about it. Consequence of bans is that maybe you bought those cards in paper, maybe, well, maybe not in the last year or so, but before that, um, and you're now taking a loss. So can, can you just talk us through a few of the things you've been thinking about in terms of bans and finance in general? Sure, yeah. So... Um, we'll approach this in two segments. Um, the, the first one is for EDH and that's going to be, oh, that's uh, Julian, do you want to, do you want to hear the good news or the bad news first? Uh, give me the bad news first. So the bad news is, you know, when it comes to, to EDH, when we see bands in other formats, the, the prices really don't change all that much. And that could be more of a, a pandemic thing we've been seeing recently, but a lot of the times like the shifts in costs, like you generally don't see a $30 card dropping to like. 15 in the course of a couple weeks um it, it's more just like kind of lowering down over time oh uh, sorry Chev, real quick question is that because the cards that edh players would be looking at are good enough that edh maintains their value or is there another effect pretty much that yeah like if the card like new omnath for example um i think that one's still pretty high up there just because like it's its effect is good enough that people want it in all formats because it's either fun as a commander or something else but with edh being the dominant form of magic that we've now seen you know wizards acknowledging very <laughs> very heavily like oh, yeah. if a card has enough value that it's like excessively strong edh will hold its value if it's a broken mechanical effect um like uh, i don't know i i'm not really in in modern but we didn't really see like uh preordained go down much in price when modern banned it or something like that because it was already kind of a low uh cost card so i I think you know if if you're looking from the financial angle of like seeing swings in card prices yes obviously cards that can't be played as much will have less demand and therefore their price could go down a little bit you're not going to see a change on a scale faster than a glacier for a lot of these things um i we've we've only been looking at this for a little bit uh but there is there is good news if you're if you're kind of like looking at this sort of long term um one of the best things is for edh and for these type of bands i've seen some amazing comments on mtg finance uh, of speckers and people who we we generally don't look at fondly of buying into sets as investments and kind of eating up the supply um becoming disillusioned with these big name cards and being like you know i mean is it really worth buying 50 copies of the new omnath like if they're just gonna ban it the next day like where's my bottom line and to them 
I couldn't be happier. One of the things I love about these bands is like it's it's making these people think they can't put money in standard sets and have it hold value. And I'm 100% okay with that. Like, I don't like that the reserve list is, you know, super high in price because there's been a run on it in recent months. And like, I'm very happy that people think standard isn't the place. And side tangent for a little bit, if you look at the cost for like the showcase cards from Kaldheim, from Zendikar, ever since we've seen this thing announced, their costs are like the same or sometimes even slightly lower than their counterparts besides a few chases and like with all these different versions of cards with all these reprints from the list and things like that you see a lot of the community of people who want to spec on these cards um losing interest in anything that isn't the reserve list and for that i i couldn't be happier um so so in terms of banning um we're not going to see much in change of prices i don't think in things that we're interested in especially since it's the pandemic um and i think i don't know what mtgo's scheme is but with mtga obviously like if you have copies of the banned cards they give you wild cards to reimburse um so there's no real negative impact besides maybe the support cards you spent wild cards on but if you're playing enough standard that shouldn't be a, a really a problem like to pivot into a new deck um but in terms of like paper uh we're not going to see a lot of change but we could see a greater change down the line of these cards being invested in less, which makes them more available to people who just want to throw them into a casual deck. That sounds pretty good all around if you're an EDH player. Nice. Yeah. Especially, and one of the, the closing things was with the list, we've seen Wizards reprinting even special versions of cards, like the showcase art of Brazen Borrower or the player rewards of Negate which, you know, was originally the safe haven for investors because they're like, oh, they're the special edition of this card. They won't reprint that. And we've seen that Wizards will. And so, again, like... Mad lads. I, I know Eric talks about this a lot. Reprint all these things. Make the investors sad. Make all of us happy. Yeah. Every card that's over $50 should just be reprinted until it isn't. And it'll be great. Everyone will be so much happier. And you know what? crowdfund lawyers will help you beat the reserve list people we'll do it <laughs> like start a kickstarter i'll give you a hundred dollars right now <laughs> the reserve list once again i don't want to open this can of worms but the reserve list isn't even like a legal thing it's not like a legally binding document it's just a thing that they said you know what i mean like there is no court case it's just people would be that is, pissed. Unfortunately, that is the legal argument. Like, there there are cases in the past where it's like, if the company has made a statement and stood by it, like, as a doctrine that people make financial and investment decisions off of, then they can argue that, like, that needs to be held because it was the word of the company and blah, 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 blah. It's I the biggest argument against why they can't do it. Essentially, if a company was like, our burger patties are not made with babies, 100% baby-free. And you're like, I'll invest in that. I support baby-free burgers. And then all of a sudden, it comes out tomorrow, 100% babies. Just all of it babies. And then their stock price tanks. They lied to you, and your investment was ruined by their lie. Yeah. So again, it's the people that see Magic as an investment engine, and I could care less what any of their feelings are and i hope they all cry. they're pieces of cardboard i hope your cardboard gets moldy you assholes that took an aggressive turn i thought you were talking about the investors themselves <laughs> oh no yeah the investors that's that's who i'm at they're also pieces of cardboard <laughs> oh no but yeah soggy cardboard cardboard personalities um is that all you have to say about the the, the stonks trev yes reserve list buyout don't look into those right now um and don't ever and be sad Sell your uh, icy that, cauldrons, though. 
Ooh, yeah, icy cauldrons. I I bought like a twenty hey, of those. Icy cauldrons are going to the top. Oh no! Rocket to the moon. They're, they're up to like Diamond ten dollars. It's, it's icy cauldron to the it's, moon. I'm, I'm very happy. No, no, about no. That. Don't even sell I, them. Like, play the long game. They, like, they wait can't a lose few more months. Yeah. Diamond hands, Chev. Diamond hands. I'll give them away. Well, with the magic of editing, no one heard that long tangent. But uh, we're done talking about the ban list. It's a it's a new day. It's a new life for me, and uh, I think we're all feeling good. So. If you're feeling good as well, remember that you can find the Hex Drinkers podcast on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else better podcasts are found. Check us out on our website, hexdrinkers.com, to read our articles, look at our videos, um, and listen to this podcast or catch up on any podcast that you might have missed. Follow us on Twitter and or Instagram at hexdrinkers to get updates, hot takes, and uh, Chev just going absolutely ballistic about whatever the latest news is in Magic. Um, he really just has the, the most interesting tweets. And uh, lastly, follow us on Twitch and at YouTube uh, or on YouTube at Hex Drinkers to check out any sort of streaming or video content. This is Jules. And for Eric, Oak, and Chev, we're the Hex Drinkers, and we're signing out. Diamond Hands. Rocket to the moon, baby.